so blessed to know you, Lord, and we never, ever want to lose sight of that. If I could remember that 24 hours a day, seven days a week, Father, it would be wonderful. So we thank you that you are bringing your goodness to us, your mercy to us, everything that we need, Father. You are bringing it to us by your mighty hand and your outstretched arm. We thank you, Lord, for people who persevere. And we we know that those who regard the rain will not sow and those who regard the those who regard the wind will not sow those who regard the rain will not reap so i thank you lord for sowers and reapers here today open our eyes open our ears bless us today with your word lord in jesus name amen and praise god amen praise god praise god so it's a good thing to be a faithful servant of god amen faithfulness has its own reward and uh, the reward of the righteous is always good. God always has something stored up for you. So it's worth it to press to get to where God wants you to be. Amen. So it's always a good thing. And it's a good thing to, to press to get here on time. You know, no matter what the uh, weather, you know, it's, it's a good thing to make sure that you honor God. Not throw him your leftovers, but honor him. And I can't stress that enough. That's my job is to, to help you to understand how to correct your steps so that when you're waiting for a blessing, you don't have to wait very long because you've honored God and he will honor you and honor your requests. I always hate that when you, when you go to, you're waiting on something for God and you wonder. Did I do this? Did I do that? What did I do wrong? Is there something missing? And we all go through that. But I believe if you will do, be diligent about your work for God, be conscientious. Have it in your heart to do your best and get up and move on it. Amen. Then you don't have to languish in that, that valley of wondering. Amen. Wonder what? Wonder, 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 wonder. You can can have quick faith, ready faith, and have confidence uh, that God is with you, and you can move quickly into the realm where he wants you to be, and that's a realm of blessing. He's doing this so he can bless us. Amen. He has no ulterior motive, so he just wants to bless his people. So uh, I just want to encourage you with that uh, for the coming year. Always keep that up here high you know what i'm saying keep it up here high and you always get a blessing when when god sees you uh doing what you're supposed to do and being timely and honorable to him with it amen timely and honorable and that'll be your byword for the year amen and if i can do timely and honorable god i thank you that amos 9:13 is for me thank you that the blessings of god are for me there is no free ride in this king. We don't have no hitchhikers. We all work under our own power and our own faith. And so your faith has to be there at a level where God can always get at it and, and use it for your good. So that's that's what you what that's what you want to keep in mind for the year ahead. So today we're going to talk about the intervention of God. Amen. The intervention of God and how He intervenes in the affairs on this earth and, and uh, <clears throat> what intervention really means. In Second Chronicles 7.14, that's a familiar scripture to us. I'm going to read it. It says here, this was during the time of Solomon's reign uh, where he uh, had finished building the kingdom. And uh, it, it 
it was kind of interesting to me that God built into the dedication of the temple a provision for people when they disobeyed. Isn't that amazing? You know, everybody, when you get excited about, oh boy, we got it built, isn't it beautiful, and, and we're going to worship God here, and all of this, and God said, let me give you a provision. I see y'all happy now, but days will come when you won't be so happy to get up in here, amen, in the temple and be so happy to come up and worship and all that kind of stuff. And so God is wise. He makes, he builds in provision for us to come back to him after we slipped away. Come back to him after we slipped away. And he says here in 714, uh, he says, let me see. In verse 11, thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the king's house and all that came into Solomon's heart to make in the house of the Lord and in his own house he prosperously effected. So Solomon actually, God allowed Solomon to build his own house first before he built God's house. Why? Because God knew he needed to pay attention. You know, sometimes God lets you go do some selfish stuff because he wants your full attention. After you're satisfied, he can wait. You got me? But once he tells you what to do, you got to get get to getting at it. You know, get after it, as they say. So he finished that. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I've heard your prayer. And I've chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice. And if I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, if my people, which are called by my name, so God shows you that there are going to be times when you're disobedient and these will be the signs. No rain. Locusts eating up everything. In other words, you're about to starve to death. And he says, if you will humble yourselves and pray and seek my face, turn from your wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. He says, now my eyes shall be open and my ears attend unto the prayer that is made in this place. So God gives us a way to understand when his favor and his blessing is not upon our lives, but he also gives you a way back. More important is the way back. Because there is always a way back. We have an everlasting covenant with Almighty God. And so we have to learn how to humble ourselves, pray, turn from our own ways. Now we don't want to call ourselves wicked, but selfishness is wickedness. You know, there are no two ways about it. It sure ain't godliness. You got me? And so humility allows us to hear from heaven, to hear God instructing us. No, I don't want you to do this this way any longer. you got to do it this way. And if you do it this way, I'll bless you. Amen? And so he wants... This is God's motive, is to bless us, to get us back into a place where we can freely receive the blessings of God. You don't have to struggle and strive over everything. Everything that you need is right there where you need it, and there's no sweat to you. 
You know what I mean when I say no sweat? You're not wondering if, when, how, anything like that. I'll give you an example from my life, and I usually don't just, you know. <laughs> yes, I do. I tell my business more than y'all do. Uh, but but I think it applies, and, and I'm not boasting about anything. But this is what God has taught me. He's taught me how to live this way. And so uh, I had somebody, I had uh, co-signed with a, a person who was a student. They didn't have any money. And they wanted to go to college, and, and, and they finished their education, and so it came time for the, the bills to be paid back. I didn't realize it, but student loans had changed a lot since I was signing them. I thought, well, hey, she'll pay it back when she starts working. These people will give her, cut her some slack. And as you know, the past eight years or so, there have not been jobs. In fact, now everybody's wanting to call higher education fraudulent. Because what they charge these kids for tuition, they can't make that back as far, you know what I'm saying. I thank God for prudent parents who will tell a kid, you know, we can't afford for you to go away anywhere. You stay home and work and you go and get your education because if it's important to that kid, they'll pursue it. You got me? And so, uh, but that wasn't the case with this person. And so when it came time for the uh, student loan to be repaid she had no job well they got tired of waiting for her to get a job and i used to think well they'll just wait because they can't collect what you don't have so forth and so on so of course you know they go after the co-signers and so they pursued me for uh for the money and i'll tell you honestly it was eighty five thousand dollars you got me that ain't hey you got me. You don't want that kind of money owing anybody. And so I told the Lord, I said, well, Lord, I said, I need your help here. I said, I want you to cancel this lawsuit and bail me out. I said, because I don't have the money. Well, I had the money. It's not, but that money wasn't for that. That money's put up for God's purposes and it's not to give the devil, you know, even though, you know, they want their money and the money was due and all that kind of good stuff. I just told the Lord, I said, you know what? I said, I think we'd like to get this canceled and not have to pay this back. And it would help her as well because she still, if she had to pay it herself without a co-signer, she's in more debt than that because that wasn't all of her schooling. You got me? And so when when I prayed about it, I began to speak to the Lord and I, I asked him, I said, well, Lord, what do I need to do? I said, if there's something lacking, call humility. You got me? Don't you ever assume and start quoting scripture back at God and read him Amos 9.13 like he don't know it. You've got to do these things, folks. He says, judge yourself, and you will not be judged. Amen? So the first thing is is lining yourself up with the will of God. The second Chronicles seven fourteen. There's somebody trying to take the inheritance that God has laid aside for my life for what I need to do. And if I die and leave it here, I know who to distribute it to so it will do the work of the Lord. You got me? And so when I started praying about it, 
I asked the Lord, I said, God, is there something I need to do? Do I need to sow seed? Do I need to whatever, whatever? Do I need to stop? And I just stayed in an attitude of prayer and I stayed in an attitude of being attentive to God and listening to God, doing what I knew to do, you know, as far as being obedient to God. You know, I don't have a lot of duties uh, as a pastor, but I got to run back and forth up the freeway for, you know, these meetings and so forth and so on. And so I just told the Lord, I said, Father, I said, if there's anything lacking here, help me to get it straight. Help me to get it right. You got me? It's all on him to help us anyway. You understand what I'm saying? And so I, I was asking about a lawyer because you got to re- respond to these things. When court people show you, send you paper, you got to send it. You got you gotta show up in court. And so I, I started asking around for this. I think I might have called Tanya about remember Tanya, I called you about a lawyer for something? That's what that was for. I didn't tell you what it's for, but anyway, you I did, okay. But anyway, we were asking and I said, Well, let me see. And the guy she worked for was gracious enough to speak with me and he said, Well, if you can't do nothing else, call legal aid. They might help you. So that's what I did. And they assigned me a lawyer. And this lady was about to retire from practice. And this would have been her last thing to do. Isn't it nice if God lets you go out helping one of his people? You got me? You know what I'm saying. And so, you know, we, we began to talk. And she said, well... I just need to offer them some kind of settlement and, you know, blah, this, blah, that. And I, I just gave her a number. I didn't know what to tell her. I don't want to say, I don't want to tell you nothing. But push comes to shove. And she said, well, because I had missed a court date, she sent my papers to the wrong thing. I mean, you know, when the devil gets in there and wants to mess you up. See, it could have come by default if we, with me not showing up. She said, well, I went and they had a few things. She said, I asked them to produce something. That, that they still had to turn in some paperwork, I guess, to validate that I owed the money. And so uh, the Wednesday before the last court date came, and she sent me a text. She said, well, I haven't got any papers from them for court yet. And so the morning we were supposed to come, she said they had to drop it because they could not find enough documentation. Amen. To prove that you owed the money. Got me? And so, amen. And so, God will rescue us from deep debt. You got me? Deep things. But I'm telling you, and I'm going to tell you again, the key is you got to keep your nose clean. You, you understand what I'm saying? God tells you to do something, you do it. You do it as unto the Lord. You do it uh, with all seriousness and intent of doing a good job. Cut no corners. Got me? Because I was willing to, to give more in, in the offerings. I remember when I was giving, we were having conferences, and I would give, and, and uh, if there was a balance, I would always give enough offering to pay it off. I thought it was normal. God told me, stop doing that and start using your faith. He said, it's everybody's responsibility. to be. You understand what I'm saying? And so my heart is, trust me, to do more, not less. See? And, and you've got to put your body in motion with that and make up your mind you want to do more and not less. More of what's required. More of what he demands. Not, not stuff we think we want to do for him. 
and then consider ourselves doing okay. You understand what I'm saying? We can all make up a sacrifice to do for God and, and consider that, you know, oh, this is, this is a big deal here. But you have to do, sometimes the things he wants us to do are very hard, you know, and to us or seem to us hard. But if we'll step out there, we'll find that he's with us and he's helping us. And guess what? Life gets better. It gets easier. It gets, <laughs> it gets the way it's supposed to be. Always have goals. Uh, spiritual goals for yourself. Never assume that, you know, I've been saved 20, 25 years and it's all good and God understands and all that. Have goals for yourself because life will get very boring if we don't have something to look forward to for jumping up out that bed and, and getting going in God. And so have those things and, and challenge yourself to be a better Christian. Challenge yourself to be a superior saint. Challenge yourself to do a much better job than, than what you've done in the past. And certainly God will be with you. He'll make everything fresh and new. So here, here we have uh, a, a pattern or guarantee for God's intervention in the earth. This is your guarantee. Second Chronicles 7.14. He'll, he'll uh, heal the land. And what that means is that he will take away the uh, production of evil or the the, uh, onslaught of evil, proliferation of evil. Like sometimes you look on television, you think, man, can it get any worse? You know, and then next year it's worse. And so it, it can always get worse. But God wants to intervene and get it better. Jesus' coming to the earth was one of many interventions of God. Amen? So the, the, the coming of the Savior, the fact that Jesus came in the form of a baby and all of the things that we know about him, those were the interventions of God. Amen? He says, I am the Lord, I change not. So he's always going to intervene down here. He always wants to get involved in life. God is intervening in the affairs of men to bring about his kingdom rule. Not so much what we want to see, but his kingdom rule. He wants, because see, when his kingdom is established, everything straightens out. You may think it's never going to get any better. But then when God starts to move, everything straightens out. Not just your little corner of the world and the things you're concerned about, even though that many times that's how God gets people involved. He knows us. And he knows what it takes to motivate us. And so once he gets man involved, then he has free reign to intervene. Okay, So his interventions are sovereign or they are initiated by prayer or a combination of both. So God's uh, intervention can be, it's just time. As far as God's timetable is concerned, his intervention comes because it's time. When you see it's time in God, then you have to allow God to do what he wants to do. Praise God. How you doing, Alicia? What's that on the table? Okay. You got your you got your hot things put up in the oven? Yes. Thank you. Okay, that's all we need, honey. Okay, thank you. You can come out and be with the living again. The little church mouse back there. Praise God. So he his interventions are sovereign or the initiated by prayer, a combination of both. Most times it's a combination of both things. And I'll explain why. 
Prayer helps the earth receive what God's doing. Prayer helps the earth receive what God's doing. Whatever is going on in the earth, prayer helps the earth to receive what God's doing. The reason for that is that it takes faith to get things done. The Bible says when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith? He's going to be looking for people who are faithfully serving him, faithfully waiting, faithfully anticipating, all that stuff. So when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith? That is the question. And so uh, faith is, is like a drawing or a magnet for the things of God. A drawing or a magnet for the things of God. Many times the faith God needs to do his will in the earth is tied to a human being with a need. So the Bible says if you hunger and thirst for righteousness you will be filled. Well what is righteousness? That's for somebody to quit stealing my money. Somebody to quit messing with my kids. Somebody to leave my husband alone. That's righteousness. Right things to happen in your life. Many times we get too condemned about stuff that goes on. You know what I'm saying? I mean, okay, we contribute. But that's forgivable. So it couldn't be the hindrance. And so many times we'll, we'll feel, you know, you got to work through your brain with this kind of stuff. Oh, what did I do wrong? I shouldn't have done this. You can languish over in the realm of regret so long that you don't move and do anything for God. And so what we have to do as believers is recognize that whether you did it to yourself or not, God still has a remedy for you and he wants to give you that remedy. And maybe part of your trouble is coming because God needs somebody to pray and get righteousness not just for you but for other people. You know, these. I'll give you an example. that you, It's a rare example because most of us don't ever live in this and you don't want to belong to this club. But the, the people that are, are uh, that their loved ones have been murdered by illegal immigrants here, people who are here illegally. Those people suffer that for actually the good of all humanity. Because if that does not stop, we'll look like Europe with all of these people roaming the streets day and night. People can't even go outside their property. You know, uh, uh, women are being attacked and, and murdered and all that kind of stuff for no reason. And so that's kind of a warning to us. That it can look like that in, in sometimes the way we know that can happen is by examples that we have in our own situation, our own realm of living. And it's unfortunate, but it does happen to people and for that reason. For instance, when uh, um, one of the, the um, enemies of humanity has been 
uh, child murder and child kidnapping and all these missing exploited children. And, and now we realize they're going into human trafficking. They're not all dead somewhere, but they're alive somewhere being abused, all that kind of stuff. That stuff doesn't come to light unless somebody can project that light and allow God to use them to project light on something evil. And we've all got to call it evil and get behind eradicating it and get it out of life. And so... Uh, Many times things like that happen to people, uh, and the only good thing that comes out of it is they created a law, or they allowed people to become more aware, like the milk carton thing that, that happened. All of that, those people weren't suffering in silence anymore, but we knew about who they are, and we are trying to do our best to help alleviate their suffering their pain and so God will sometimes get people involved in things like that simply because he wants us to be aware that the enemy is up to something and he wants to stop it so we can get involved because we want to see change come from the good or we've been involved in a tragedy that we can't make any sense out of other than we can help somebody else not have to suffer that pain if we'll follow through on it. And so God is intervening all the time with, with situations like this so that he can get people to pray so that he can intervene. He can only intervene and help in the natural as much as we can give him material to work with in the spirit realm. So he must have spiritual material to work with. And those are faithful prayers. Those are prayers aimed at principalities and powers and not at flesh and blood, human beings being responsible for everything. But faithful prayers of people who are in it for the long haul. Who will pray regardless. Amen. So his interventions are sovereign or they're initiated by prayer or a combination of both. Hannah's barrenness was an answer to a national problem. She didn't see herself being without a baby as anybody's problem but her own. You got me? But when when she tapped into the answer, the answer had to come from God. And she found herself giving the baby back to God. Now, does that sound like somebody who's just in it for themselves? See? But sometimes he can get us desperate enough that we can want something and give it away all in the same breath. See, that's the prayer he wants. He wants somebody to embrace something and give it to him. He wants us to to embrace our salvation and then make ourselves servants. You got me? Uh, we could walk through life very nicely being saved, not preaching the gospel, not doing anything for anybody and probably skate on into heaven. You know what I'm saying? But he wants people who will go further, who will take up their cross and follow him like his son Jesus did. You got me? And so when God can find people who can tap into the flow of his heart. See, Hannah, they said, prayed. She prayed so deeply that her mouth moved and there was no utterance. Huh? Well, the, the Bible talks about praying in the Holy Ghost with utterances, amen, words that cannot be uttered. You can't even form words, but there's something in you that wants to communicate with God and wants to touch God. And that's where 
your will cuts off and the will of God is in you, period. You got me? And so she was able to pray the right prayer. It's very important. That right prayer to pray for what you need to be released to you. That's what you got to do. And you got to keep digging and digging and digging until you get in that place. Because many years had gone by on Hannah. The second wife had had, what, six or seven kids or something? She had a house full of children. And Hannah still, Hannah was the first wife and had been barren all of those years and watched and watched and watched. Well, people can say, well, she was just jealous. Oh, honey, this was more than just jealousy. If it was just jealousy, she'd have quit a long time ago. You know, jealous people don't last too long. (laughs) Evil will not outlast good. Amen. So jealous people are not going to last very long in anything. You know, don't worry about your so-called haters. My haters. Don't flatter yourself. (laughs) People ain't worried about you. Uh, Seriously, you know, this is a figment of everybody's imagination. So prayer does help the earth receive what God's doing. So Hannah's prayer helped the earth to receive the prophet Samuel. Why? They needed a change. Hannah didn't know anything about the trouble going on in the priesthood. All she knew was that she needed a baby. She wanted one and, and the desire didn't stop. And so when she decided that she was going to press into God with everything that she had, she found that a gratitude came in her before receiving her answer. A gratitude puts a giving a heart to give on the inside of us. So before she even see this is this is where kind of like a New Testament uh, um, sample, I call them, you know, uh, spiritual samplings where you can sample into certain things. Like some of the prayers David would pray sounded really like New Covenant prayers. You got me? Uh, Because he was so sure his sins were forgiven, but they were just covered. He wasn't changed into a new creature. You got me? And so these are New Covenant samplings where we know that if we thank God for something before we get it, we'll get it. Well, Jesus introduced that concept when he thanked him for the two loaves and fishes and it wasn't enough. And he thanked God and blessed it and broke it and started to multiply. Well, that's the that's what we call now faith. Amen. You You begin to, it's so real to you that you can express thanks for it before you see it. And so that's what Hannah did. She offered a thanksgiving offering of her son before she even conceived him. And so that's when you tap into the faith of God. Amen. Have faith in God. Have the God kind of faith. And so there are times where you'll see these things come upon the earth where people are are pleading for something that they need for themselves. And it winds up being a blessing that that can bless more than just them in the earth. It comes directly from God in heaven. And there's an overflow to that blessing where God can bless many, many people because of your trouble, your lack, and your difficulty. You got me? And so that's the place you want to live. Amen. You want to live in that place. And you got to understand when lack comes to your life, it's not always just about you. 
Because do you know people can live with very little? Especially with God on the inside of you. Because you find out you got more going on on the inside than this outside. And see, it takes humility to, to step up to the plate and press in and say, well, God, I don't really need this. Don't know if I want it. But it seems like that's your will for me. Huh? It's always tied to, to a need in somebody's life. Changes that come to benefit the whole earth are always tied to a need in somebody's life. A promise, a vision, something they haven't received yet. Prayer also helps the earth recognize the work of God. If, if I can tell you, you know, we've been praying for uh, the persecuted church for X number of years and then we start seeing Christians liberated and people will say, well, that wasn't God. That was just so, oh, no, honey, I know that was God because it's in me that all that stuff was to happen and I've been carrying that as a request for many, many years. So I know it's God. And see, that keeps us from fighting what's God. Because there are many people out there fighting the things of God and they don't, they swear it's not God. Why? Because it's not their God. It's not their concept of what they want out of life. And to them, God is their, their own God. You know what I'm saying? Your, your own ideas can fool you into thinking you've heard from God. Or it, what, it, the, the, the worst part about it is that it will be the will of God and people of God refuse to acknowledge it as God and they suffer loss in their life. I'll give you for instance, I keep going back to the Trump prophecy. So you can either believe it's God or you don't have to believe it's God. But let me tell you what's at stake. Good thing to try and believe and just let God settle it in you. That's always the best policy. Because your soul will tell you all kinds of things. You don't like this, you don't like that, or you've always voted this way, or you don't, you can't break that, and all that kind of stuff. You know, nonsense. And so, uh, our instructions always come from heaven. They don't come from earth. Man-made things. You got me? But, but, see, people have been going on and on about false prophecy. Huh. All these prophets running there. Look at everybody on Facebook is a prophet. Prophet this and prophet that. They ain't all prophesying right. How you know the difference? Well, this is a good case. It's made public enough that everybody's aware of it. And if you don't understand how to get God to tell you what's of him and what's not of him, how are you going to judge in the future other words that may come to put you on a wrong road? Just a thought, folks. See, this all works together. It all ties together. Don't think you can sleep or you can sit out one of these dances with God and go pick him up on a a song you like better. It's not like that. You got to eat the whole loaf. Jesus said you got to drink the whole cup. You can't uh, just, you know, spit out that. Nobody likes the dregs of the cup, but that's part of your cup, too. The stuff at the bottom. And so, amen. And so we think we can pick and choose, but this has become a stumbling block, I see, to many believers out there who are stuck 
in a liberal mindset, they don't think they're liberal. They think they're obeying God. They don't think they identify with these people who are sinners. But, you know, just go through the checklist. Amen. Uh, God is for life. You can vote for somebody who who's an abortion proponent. Well, I don't really agree with that. Well, don't put your name down there beside that then. You got me? A vote is a vow. A vote is agreement. A vote is a promise. And see, God, you see what God's doing? He's ripping his body away from the world. He's separating his body away from the world. And we don't like that feeling. Now, we all swear we spiritual. And we all up there and we love Jesus and all that. But see, it gets proven not by what you think you can do to prove to God you love him. But let God determine the test. See, when God determines the test, that's how he finds out and you find out how you feel. And he finds out how you feel. See? If we could always, we can all make up the test. Oh, God, well, give me, just give me a, a ministry like, you know. Oh, oh, I just have a heart for those Bahamian people. All those people in Boca Raton in Florida. I just have a heart for those people. Just have a heart. Have a heart for that. Everybody wants to call the shots, compromise. Because we have the world left in us. And we don't think we got the world in us. Until we have to prove we don't. Amen. So it's time to prove you don't love the world. That's what this is all about. And so God is beginning to line his people. It's like the body of Christ say, well, I want unity in the body. (coughs) Don't even try it. God knows how to bring that about. You got me? He'll bring about the unity around his purpose, gathering his people for what he wants to see happen in the earth. You don't forget your unity club. Forget going over and crossing denominations. Let's cross the denominations. Huh? Save it. Because God is going to design a test that's going to make you blink twice. You got me? Make you wonder what you think about things. And so prayer helps the earth recognize the work of God. Amen? It will help you recognize the work of God. Prayer allows man to participate in God's work in the earth. So when you carry a vision and you pray and you allow God to use you and use your words, use your faith, that will allow, that's your ticket to participate, amen, in his work in the earth. And usually it means more work. It doesn't mean less, doesn't mean easy street, it means a more work. But if your heart is to serve God, then more work is a joy to you. It's not a problem, amen? And if it is a problem, then you talk it over with God and ask him to pave the way for you to do it, make way for you to do that, amen? People have done that forever. I remember people, some of you, your kids are grown now when they weren't even here yet. Your prayer was, I don't know how I'm going to do this, God, but, and here you, you ain't quit, you're still here. You made it through, amen. So, so you know how this goes, amen. You know he'll do it. God intervenes to establish his covenant of life. 
He wants us to live forever. If you think God's not not moved by all the babies who are aborted every year and satanic power increasing by it, I got another thought for you. Just because he hasn't extinguished everybody and killed all the mothers that kill their babies, that doesn't mean he approves of it. So we better get that out of our head, thinking God's light on sin. That's not right. God wants us to live forever. Everybody who's conceived is conceived by the plan of God. Amen. I'm going to say it again. Everybody who is conceived is conceived through the plan of God. Amen. And so when God conceives something, he means to see it through and sustain it. He does not mean for that life to be aborted and thrown away like trash or parts sold. You got me? People make merchandise of it. Now, if people didn't believe that before, I don't know what took them so long, but that's been going on almost forever. If people can make money out of something, they'll fight to hold on to it. There's too many people fighting to hold on to that, fighting tooth and nail just to hold on to abortion. You got me? Women's health. There's nothing healthy about that. Mm-hmm. What about baby health? So he intervenes to establish his covenant of life. He wants everybody conceived to live forever. He intervenes to interrupt the world's corruption and the curse that comes with the broken law. The world is, by sin, is being corrupted. That means it's deteriorating. That means that land doesn't produce the way God wants it to. People don't live as as uh, effortlessly as God wants them to. We're not as blessed as God wants us to be. So that is corruption. And corruption is comes from the curse of the broken law. So <clears throat> what is what is the world? What do I mean when I say the world? It means the natural and temporal things that are here on this earth. So the world consists of natural and temporal things that are here. The government behind it, not God's government, but there is the prince of this world who governs this world. Man, The world moves by lust. Lust which are cravings and desires for what the world offers. So anybody, everybody who's born, all you ever know is what you see, what you can see, what you can feel, what you can hear. Until God starts to awaken your spirit to the other dimension or the world or the realm of the spirit, the spirit of God. Lust, the lust uh, cravings or things that pertain to lust run in three general areas, lust of the flesh Which has to do with how we feel. We're driven by feelings. Outside of God, it's all about feelings. Mainly what you eat, drink, how you feel about people, relationships. Those are all the things that the lust of the flesh is pertaining to. Amen? So that's the most basic level that humanity can live on. That's that's what your babies live on when they first come here it's always what does that kid want sometimes they just want somebody to know somebody's there huh 
It's true. Amen. You know, some of you moms who are uh, alert and awake and understand those things, you know that, no, I'm not moving because he's dry. He's fed. No, nothing sticking. They used to check to see if a pen was sticking in the diaper. They don't do that no more. That dates you, right? And there ain't no pen sticking in him from that diaper, you know. And so, you know, <laughs> amen. And so, you know that he's crying for nothing, but is he? Mm-hmm. Eh? Because people who are researchers and infant mortality and things like that know that, that babies have to be reassured that there's a human there to touch them periodically. So sometimes that's what they're looking for. Amen? And so that's why, you know, these people have eight kids at one time. That's why they're all so cranky. I'm serious. I mean, you can't pick them all up at one time. When you got one, that's enough. You know what I'm saying? That's a handful to be picking up. But but there's a failure to thrive where you can you can feed a baby, change them, but if they're not picked up, held, and reassured and loved, they will perish. They won't live. And so there's 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 that is the most basic level on which humans live is that on feelings. Amen. They they survive through what they feel or the lusts of the flesh, lust desires. To have the flesh feel good. Amen. And so the other one is the lust of the eyes. That is how you look. Possessions. Amen. That's a big thing of it. Your house, your car, how new it is. Of course, we don't go into note or no note. That's that's just bondage. When we we start talking like that, that's bondage. Amen. But uh, it's got to look good. You got me? And so we invest a lot of money in, in appearance, you know, especially people that have the means to do it. Or if you live in a society where that's real important, you'll invest a lot in, in what you look like and, and how you look. Amen. Pride of life is the other lust of your career, your education, your religion. Pride of life says, I'm good. Not so lust of the flesh, I feel good, lust of the eyes, I look good, pride of life says I'm good. So you'll find religion falling into that category to make you good. I don't do this, I do that. I do this, I don't do that. Well that's what's in the world. Then there's God's kingdom that rubs out everything in the world, it negates everything in the world, and it has more to do with this thing called relationship between you and God, and where that's all that matters. Now, the world will creep in, keep creeping, trying to creep into, creeping into your relationship. But if you're a diligent person, you'll offer those things up to God. Like, for instance, if you like certain things, you know, your eyes like them and you feel better with them, you offer those things up to God. God, you know, when it's time for me to have that, I'll get that. I'm not concerned about that right now. If you can say that and mean it from your heart, he'll give you everything. I mean, you won't ever lack for anything, you know, that you desire from God. And so God knows how to make it. And he'll make it so that, say, if it's a wearable, you're wearing it and it's not wearing you. Like it looks good on you, just like praise is comely for the upright. The things that we possess will look good on you because they're in there in the right order. 
they're not wearing you, you're wearing them. Huh? Just a thought, you know. So God is good like that. He doesn't mind you having the things of this world. And if you put him in charge of them, you'll get a chance to partake of them. But they won't be partaking of you. Amen. They won't, you won't have to accept the world's way of getting it or the ways, world's way of doing it in order to possess these things. The things that we talked about, the world leads to corruption. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, they kill because sin is employed in order to experience these temporal goals. When sin is conceived, it leads to death. Without God's intervention, we are lost. So he saves us through his interventions and he saves the world through his interventions. Intervention is God's God burdens a soul to desire righteousness. And according to Matthew 5, you will be filled. You'll have more than your share of righteousness. There is a payoff for the righteous to get involved with the intervention of God. And life gets better for everybody as righteousness increases on the earth. Amen. So as God is able to do more on the earth and righteousness increases, things get better for everybody. See, if they just got better for the church, it wouldn't be righteousness. Because God is merciful to everybody. We're we're receiving of his mercy too. You know, don't think, you know, you can claim that little thing called favor, but favor, <laughs> favor is something that's put on your life to bless those. And so God will bless, to be blessed and be a blessing. It's all one act. It's not be blessed, cut it off, and everybody else sink or swim. We are blessed to be a blessing. So as long as God is blessing you, he expects you to be a blessing and pass that blessing around. Amen. Amen. So there is a payoff for the righteous to get involved with the interventions of God. And and personally, life gets better for you, but it also gets better for others because as righteousness increases. When Jesus came, a handful of people really knew what was going on. And this is the prophecy test or the vision test that God gives people on the earth to see where he's moving. To see if you'll stay in the spirit or if you'll sit up and listen to to fake news all day long and make up your decisions based on that. Amen. Because you really like that black man in the White House and you don't like nobody else being in there. You got me? People get stuck on all kinds. You think I'm joking. In the church, it's music. Or in the church, it's mega churches. If you ain't on television, I can't go to your church. huh? I belong to Joel Osteen and that's all as far as I'm going. You understand what I'm saying? So there's all kinds of stuff God's got to pry us up out of grabbing onto as our little pet thing that we love. Or it's not God. Or we're not happy. And so God is stripping the church of all their little worldly pet things that we love so much. So the handful of people who really knew what was going on, well, we know the wise guys, right? So they were astrologers 
but they were also astrologers who specialized in times and seasons when God was doing into the earth, setting up kings and putting them down. That was their specialty. And that's why they came looking for Jesus. We hear there's a king being born in this area. Where is he? Because we identify kings. That's our specialty in studying the stars. Got me? And so they were there because of a vision that they had. And they were worldly people. But they were interested in the king aspect of who Jesus was. The other ones were Mary and Joseph. Of course, because they were the earthly parents, Elizabeth and Zacharias, Simeon and Anna, and then later John the Baptist. And that's about it. You got me? So it's no wonder most of the church is missing what God is doing in the earth all the time. Because we're all attached to the world and we think we got God. Just a thought. Something to pray about, something to keep your head clear, keep sober about. If you have made the right decision about what God's doing in the earth, then thank him for it. Thank God that you're not deceived. Thank God that you're not attached to this world. Thank God that you're willing to let go of what the world values in order to get him. Amen. And just like he snipped that off, he's going to be snipping some more stuff. He's just constantly snipping us away from the earth, I mean, you know, from the world and what the world values. So to the other people in the world, God's intervention was news when Jesus came. And so that's why John the Baptist began to preach. He came to make sure everybody got gathered into the move of God and the will of God. Now, there were people who didn't want that, and and the worst, the most notorious of them were the religious. So that's always going to be true. People who like fake, you know, emotional, you know, religion that mostly feeds the flesh and feeds the carnal mind and feeds your pride as to, you know, you belong to this denomination or this church or whatever, whatever, whatever. Those are going to be the hardest to pry their little cold, clammy hands away from their religion. Huh? Because they have a form, but no power. See, you can always excuse the lack of power away. So as long as they keep the form, they're satisfied. How did they excuse the lack of power away? Well, she came to church on a Sunday to get healed. We don't heal people. We It's against the law for us to work on the Sabbath. So they just keep throwing excuses like that at people. huh? People do it in churches now. You know, it's like... Uh, uh, um, uh, this ain't a healing movement. You know, well, well, God will heal you, but it's not the season yet. huh? Or get ready, get ready, get ready. huh? You've been getting ready forever, but nothing ever shows up. Amen. That will, will, and people just get fed on that. It'll shock you how long, how people crave that, how long they will ingest that and not get better. They can go to a Benny Hinn meeting and that, that symptom will lift for a season and they'll be healed and go right back to the dead church. And it, your spirit doesn't get fed anything to keep that, that uh, healing your spirit strong enough to hold on to it. You just slip right back into your nonsense again. 
Because you crave that. See, my church on Sunday is for one thing. Benny Hinn is for something else. So they keep themselves compartmentalized. They keep themselves structured and, 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 and uh, constricted, locked in a box where they can't get out. And so religion is very powerful. It's, look at the Muslims if you don't think it's powerful. As a force to, to determine a person's life, it is very powerful. So the biggest thing the church has ever had to fight was false religion. Was religion. Powerless religion. My thing is, is follow the power. You know, the devil will get real subtle. He said, uh, I don't follow signs and wonders. They follow me. No, they don't. Now, if you can't follow them at least long enough to find out how to produce some urine error in your thinking, we're not supposed to follow signs and wonders. Who told you that? You judge by that. If you judge that God's in it by that, then follow that until he shows you something else. But get out the dead thing. The devil's always stealing from people. There's little nonsense stuff he does. So, even though... God's intervention may be news to people they will catch on. And I believe that we're headed into that that season or that flow of the spirit where people will begin to uh, catch on to what God's doing in the earth. Amen. And they will be converted. And Moses was an intervention of God. His parents felt to... Uh, uh, to risk trouble in their own lives in order to spare him. Sometimes the greater greater the risk to a person personally, the greater the move of God. You see how these people in the Bible are essential. Essential to the move of God. Lord, let us be essential to the move of God in the earth. Let us be essential. Amen? Because I'm telling you, Moses lived to be 120. He was not feeble. He hiked up that mountain. Amen? And was seen no more. They found his bones later, you know, and came and buried his bones. But come on now. Somebody hiking a mountain? I have trouble on just flat. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Come on, darling. Let's, let's get it together, folks. Uh, Caleb. He was another mountain climber in his old age. Amen? He he was going by what he perceived in his spirit, not by what his years told him. He said, I'm more than able to take that mountain. Uh, so his parents took a personal risk in order to spare him. Because they saw something in him. They didn't know what that something was. See, God can speak to you in any kind of way. Sometimes you just see something in somebody. And you see value there. And God will have you pray to the value that you see. Amen. Not the trouble that's around you. But God will have you do that. So he was an intervention of God. There was a desire for righteousness because of all the baby killing that was going on. Amen. 
the shedding of innocent blood is something that will stir people to prayer, stir them to sacrifice, stir them to... There's something about blood guiltiness that disturbs people. I mean, even if you're not a guilty person, it disturbs you and you don't have anything to do with the shedding of it. It's a disturbance in the earth. It's a corruption. It's something that we know we need to get rid of because the earth will be better without it. Amen. And so these are the, the ways we God moves us to intervene. So God meets what, what I would call a change agent in the earth. And that was Moses' parents. His parents were the first change agents in that move of God. And then Moses would be the next change agent because he was the fruit of that change. As watchmen, we are agents of change. We don't like what's going on somewhere. I mean, it can be nice in a lot of places, but if there's one thing out of kilter, we have to pray and take care of it because it's not righteousness. See, Whenever you see corruption, you want to do something about it. Like, I can remember <clears throat> praying the... Um, uh, War on drugs and alcohol. Uh, first it was for people that I knew personally. And then I started thinking, well, God, what about these drugs coming in here from Mexico? And I, I began to declare that we will win the Mexican drug wars. And it didn't look like it was close to nip out got to happen. You know what I'm saying? Now I can see it getting, it's close enough to touch now. And But see, that's over a period of many, many years. See, where most people who are in it for the short run or not so sure or it's just something to do or, oh, you know, uh, have you been in so-and-so's meetings yet? You know, the prophecy grabbers and the meeting, and the meeting hoppers. See, they'll hop from place to place to place to place to place, but I've learned how to just stay on my watch and watch over the things that God, I trust God to, if that needs to be taken care of, he raised somebody else up to do it, or if there's a part that we need to do, but for, for my life, it's work to continue to do what he assigned me to do. And sometimes that's the greatest discipline that you will ever undergo in your life is to do what you're assigned to do. Stay out of nonsense and other people's business and all that foolishness. Just stay away from that world. Don't feed your flesh worldly junk, you know. Uh, Stay with things that build up and edify your spirit. So uh, Moses then was the agent of change. As watchmen, we are agents of change. Don't ever underestimate what you do. Don't treat it lightly and do the best job that you can do at all times. You got me? Uh, when, when people, people should know you as the person who will pray for them on the spot. They should know you as that person, uh, either in their life or, or that person that, that they feel drawn to you because of your connection with God. So, uh, because you wear that. You got me? That's an identity, spiritual identity that we wear. As intercessors, we should stand ready to accept God's change 
And do your part to see to it that it's carried out. Amen. Make sure you know how that change happens and carry that out. Moses' parents risked their lives disobeying the Pharaoh. You may have to disobey a natural government in order to obey God. You know, we didn't used to think of our government as hostile in this country. But boy, our eyes were sure opened up not too long ago, right? Still being opened up every day. Why? Because the devil's slick. Uh, He knows how to talk to people and convince them that they're right and they're 100% wrong. So they risk their lives disobeying the Pharaoh. We do the same thing in some ways. The battle lines are drawn. Who is on the Lord's side? Not who's right and who's wrong, not who's going to heaven, but who is on the Lord's side. You know, he needs to line people up on his side. If you're not for him, you're against him. There's no neutrality here. You know, there's no safe little neutral space huh, to stay in. A lot of people looking for safe spaces. Why? Because conviction is coming upon them. Amen. Uh, they've been deceived and they don't know how to reconcile that. You know, what the people they trusted in lied to them. That's why those people are so upset. You know, little liberal snowflakes out there crying all the time. We need a safe space. Yeah, because there's nowhere to run, up, no place to hide now. God's exposing the lies of the devil. You either take it and, and deal with it and go to God with it, or you're just going to have to stay out there languishing in the land of suffering. But God's already drawn the bloodline, folks. If you don't think God's doing something in the earth, you better pay attention now. And I mean pay attention real good. And, uh, you know, get your head out of, you know, what you don't have yet from God. We're way beyond that. Huh? Way beyond that. We're so way beyond that. Huh? <laughs> I mean, you, I'm not saying you're not going to get it, but that can't be your focus. Your focus got to be who's on the Lord's side. Got time for that now. Put that old toy away and get with the new program here because that's the season it is now. Amen. You get on the Lord's side, all your stuff is over there. It's not not over here in the land of decision forever. Because to go against God is to encourage corruption. And you will suffer defeat in battle if you encourage corruption. So there's a time, you know, Bible talks about God used to wink at our sin. But now he wants everybody to shape up. It's shape up time. I was speaking with somebody who spent, I guess, 10 years doing something other than what God told him to do. And they just can't believe it. Well, I want to say, I knew that when you did it 10 years ago. You know, but you can't talk to people. You know, you just watch them and say, oh, yeah, you know, you're doing this and doing that. and Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now the wells run dry. And I just look at that and say, well, be thankful you got sustained. Think you were sustained for 10 years on the seed you sown in obedience prior to the time you got in disobedience. People are kind of funny. They get short memories. If, it, if, the, if, if the floor doesn't fall out from under them the first day, they think they got away with it. 
It might take 10 years, but you'll, it'll catch up with you. You know, the bad seed will catch it. It'll start producing bad fruit and nothing else but bad fruit. So you realize I got to go sow in the right field now. I got to get righteous and I got to get to where I'm not bargaining with God. I was praying for him. I told him, I said, you're going to have to to empty your plate. Because they kept saying, well, I was thinking maybe I should do this or do that because this is. uh, 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 uh." I said, now listen, if I can't tell you nothing else but this, you can't bargain. There's no time to want to bargain with God. And say what you want to do and where you want to go and how you want to. That's what got you where you are now. You think God's playing with you. Huh? He's a good God. He's not a mean God, but he got work for us to do. He don't play when it's time for work. Well. Just like your kids don't want to come in from, from playing or put the game down or put a computer down or something like that. Well, get up and get, I do, go clean them dishes like I told you. Nobody wants to stop playing and get down to business. We all want to play forever. Play means it doesn't cost you nothing. You don't have to sacrifice anything. You don't have to get up when you could be sleeping. You don't have to to get here on time and do the things you know you're supposed to do. You can just sit and do what you want to be casual about God forever. Good gravy. And I'm including myself. You know, I, there are many times when I'm sitting doing nothing. I could be meditating, praying, doing a lot of things to build my spirit up for the days ahead and for tomorrow. You understand what I'm saying? There's always some correction we can do to our walk. Ooh, Enoch walked with God. He, he ain't that hard to find, but he might be a little hard to keep up with. When we go against God, we encourage corruption. And we will be defeated in the time of battle. The prayer for everybody is to wake up. huh? Awake and put on strength. huh? Quit drowsing all the time. Quit lazing around and everything. That's a good word for right now. God is not a loser. huh? He takes winners with him. He will find somebody to do his will. Uh-uh. He will. There are spiritual and natural intercessors. People fail often because they don't recognize how God moves through natural intercessors. You got me? President Trump is a natural intercessor. You got me? That's why he's always asking Christians to pray for him uh, because he knows where his help comes from and he knows he needs God's help because if somebody, if, if you turn on the TV all day long, people talked about you, said you wasn't fit for office, wanted to throw you out of office and you've been elected by the people, you need God's help. Okay? And that doesn't happen to people who are tied into the world. That only happens to people who are anointed by God. You got me? We've all seen this before, haven't we? But we usually see it against anointed church people. We don't see it on people out in the world too often. You got me? 
Spiritual intercessors are often hidden and protected by God, but the natural are often seen and judged and criticized. So they need our prayers. You got me? Need your prayers more than anything. Nehemiah was unique. He was a combination of a spiritual and a natural intercessor. And he was doubly challenged. That's why when he built his wall, the devil hates walls and barriers. He likes to tear them down so he can have the free run of everything. You tell him he can't go somewhere, he tried that much harder to get there. Uh, just like the ugly boy at the party. You know, that kid you... Don't tell so-and-so. I'm having, a, I'm having a party at my house. But don't tell so-and-so. And he show up anyway. That's the devil. You got me? They don't like closed doors. They don't like no for an answer. They don't like you trying to do nothing to have fun and live your life. They want to get involved and tear it up. Huh? So in Nehemiah, there was a prayer of repentance in line with Second Chronicles 7.14. The first chapter of Nehemiah, you see that. Nehemiah 1.5. Where he began to pray and intercede and repent, not just for his own sins, but the sins of his parents. Generational sins. Lord, we done sat here all these years and let abortion come in here and let this happen and let that happen. And drugs running everywhere, witches on television. We never lift a hand. We just shake our head and say they ain't got no business on there, but we never pray. And he said, if my people who are called by my name. Just got to humble yourself and admit you're wrong. Uh, you're wrong for putting up with it. Wrong for not doing anything. <clears throat> In the second chapter of Nehemiah, we see great favor coming upon him from king from the king, where official letters, material supplies. When God chooses you to do something, He will finance it totally. Everything you need will be supplied. If you find a provision drying up, you need to go back to the drawing board. Say, God, okay, what do I do? Where did I miss it? Is this really where you want me to go? If so, provide. Amen. Allow God to provide. In Nehemiah chapter 4, you see through work and warfare, the temple was built. So now is a season. If this country is going to get back its prosperity, get back its holiness and righteousness, this is a time for intercessors to fight as well as build. Many times the building process, people think you can lay down your weapons. But if you look at the book of Nehemiah, it says he kept a a sword in one hand and a hammer in the other one. So you build and fight, you build and fight, you build and fight. Why? Because the devil does not want, Satan does not want our southern border. Because that's his access point for everything. He was planning to bring a whole bunch of Muslims through there. You got me? To destroy this country. And this is where the big fight is. So if we don't, as watchmen, keep an eye on this and keep pressing and pressing and pressing and telling the devil you can't stop it. It's already in motion. It's already being done. Amen. I like what the president did. He started building and he's taking samples of the wall now. He's got prototypes. One of the first thing he did was go down there and start something. Huh? 
stir the devil up, see what he's got. Come on, shoot your best shot, devil, but the wall's going up. You got me? And here's the evidence of it. See, those are faith movements. You go out and you get it started where you, whether you don't have the right approval for it or not. This is a faith movement where you must go out and get something started. Amen? And so as, as watchmen, we have to watch over these things. Uh-uh, devil, you're not stopping this. I don't care who said what about what. This wall is going up. Amen? And so once we recognize what God is doing, when he is, is these interventions of God, these are interventions. We cannot miss them. You can't go to sleep on them. You can't say they're not going to happen anymore because they are in motion. Most of the body of Christ don't know it, folks. And we knew this was going to happen, didn't we? We've been warned for years. When the move of God starts, most of the people that call themselves standing and praying will not be. They won't believe it. Amen. But it's God anyhow. You go by what's in your spirit and you go by, if I tell you it ain't God, you can fire me. You understand what I'm saying? But you keep going on for God. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word and for understanding. Thank you, Lord.